You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. Do my prejudices influence communication of the gospel? What is my position as a Christian on mission? Is Christianity compatible with other religious expression? Is evangelism simply white colonization? Do all expressions of faith lead to the same ultimate outcome? We can boldly face the relativism that is influencing missions and overtaking the clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us as we discuss complex issues facing the local church as it serves Christ in obedience to the Great Commission. This is Mission of the Nations with host Grant Fawcett. Hello, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Mission of the Nations. Uh, We are in full swing of our summer camp programs now and uh, really enjoying being back at that ministry. Uh, I decided uh, early in the year that I would invite our guests that are here to speak for our summer camp programs to record episodes of Mission of the Nations with me while they're here. And uh, this morning I have with us... It's not morning. That was... (laughs) That was meant to trick everybody, and then I felt guilty. It's night. We've just had a day of camp, but I have with me Rick Mitten. He's We're all the, very tired. We are. So this might go sideways. I don't know, but that'll be okay. Uh, Rick is the pastor of uh, First Elgin Baptist Church in Elgin, Elgin New Brunswick, yeah. not to be confused with Port Elgin, which is often what happens. Like two hours away. They're very far apart, but Elgin is a quaint little town in the countryside of Albert County, and uh, Rick is a countryside pastor, and so he's here teaching our day camp kids about the Bible, and we thought that we would talk a little bit about the local church in missions and how that all works and what that's kind of meant to look like and what sometimes it does look like. And So I'm just going to let Ricky... Ricky. I keep calling you Ricky because I've called you Ricky forever. (laughs) Richard, King Richard is, uh, maybe I'll let you just talk about your ministry a little bit and how you ended up in Elgin and then we can, uh, sort of just chew on some mission stuff together for a little while. Uh, well, first I've known about Arrowhead for like 25 years, probably. (laughs) Wow. Longer Um, than I have. Yeah. My pastor growing up, he worked at Arrowhead for a few years and it was a good time. Um, yeah, so I guess this is my 10th summer serving altogether and started way back in 2008. Yeah, so you even lived here for a while. Short time. Yeah, in between but a good ministries. Time. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, this is a special place. Even driving back on the other day, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just real peaceful and it's a homecoming. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it's good. A lot it's of great. people have good memories here and that's yeah. sort of part of the beauty of the ministry is that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And having good good friends and good family and mm-hmm. you know, it's a good time here. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been in Elgin for almost five years. It's been a good time. Um learning a lot. You know, it's the first church that I've solo pastored and so it's been an interesting ride, good times and Yeah. Yeah, it's a great spot. So. five years, that's wild. Yeah. It's it's gone by fast. It's been I a, mean two of them were COVID years, so I mean, we none of us really remember those years <laughs> yeah, anyway. It almost doesn't count. Came and went, but but yeah, no. <laughs> those were good years too. I there's a lot of, you know, anti of all that, but those were really good years. Yeah, God worked 
in all of our churches and lives through that time. And although we tend to speak pejoratively, I think, about all of that because of we I think we forget that God's sovereignty reigned through that and we all grew and those of us who pursued Christ, mm-hmm. he kind of worked in us in sanctification, which is kind of yeah. the point, I guess. But yeah. yeah, that's true, Rick. I think that's a good point for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, at the, in the Mission of the Nations podcast, we often talk about sort of the mechanics of missions or some of those things that maybe I'm asked in the foyer of churches or that I've observed when I've been in churches and had the opportunity to share. And, you know, that's one thing I think that churches often forget is that the missionary that they've invited to come has been in many, many churches and has seen a lot of things and has a perspective of maybe what different churches are doing and, um, and how it could be done well. And, you know, we have some churches that are connected with Arrowhead that I treasure and the interaction that we have with them is, is rich and full. And we have some churches that, you know, they don't engage with us a great deal. And so, you know, it's, I think it's a good conversation for us to have, you know, what is missions, what is its relation to the local church and, Mm. um, how does that sort of apply in reality? Mm. I wonder how much of that is the maritime culture in that we, um, we tend not to ask for things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard for anybody to say, well, we're struggling in this area of ministry or, you know, we're struggling financially, therefore we need X amount of dollars or, we need these supplies for camp, mm-hmm. you know, and to to send that to the church so that the church is like, oh, well, we can support that in that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need more spaghetti noodles. Oh, we can we can do that or, yeah. you know, what have you. Especially in the context of Arrowhead where it's on the field that we're also serving in. Right. You know, it's different for someone living in Bolivia. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. And and I think you've hit on, on something pretty important there, you know, um, there have been times when it's been suggested that this isn't missions because we're in the Maritimes. Mm. So that's one thing, you know, that, that we sort of confront, but the tension, that natural tension that has existed, I noticed it what the, when, when Liz and I first felt God nudging us into mission and we had to start thinking about, okay, raising support, that tension that exists in the ask in Atlantic Canada it's hard to overcome in our own selves and then it's hard to pursue with, cause our culture isn't sort of lend itself to that kind of hmm. interaction. Does yeah. It? And I don't know if that's an Atlantic Canada thing versus Western Canada or Ontario or American. I don't know, but yeah, I, don't know. I know it exists even in our own church to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, I think it might be a maritime distinctive. Hmm. We're, I mean, we're a unique people in Atlantic Canada. You know, we have our own rivalries between New Brunswick and Nova Scotia and PEI and Newfoundland, but but we're all together on this side of Quebec yeah. from the rest of Canada. And so there is kind of a yeah. culture here and, and we have a church culture yeah. and yeah, it's all part of that. Yeah. You see that difference when those from Ontario come in, there's a huge difference in culture that I would say the Americans definitely don't get because it's Canada's all one thing to them, but right. there's a definite culture. We've seen that with the Gory group. Every yeah, year. yeah. Yeah. We Positive have, and negative. Yeah, yeah. We have, <laughs> we have friends that come from Gory, Ontario um, every year. Every I year. mean, I think, I talked to Gerald one time and he's a, a gentleman that 
uh, we dearly love from Gory, mm. and he's been coming to Arrowhead. Now, he told me, I think it was in 2010, that he had been coming for like 11 years. That sounds right. And then I think the last time he came was about 2018. So, I mean, he came mm. for 20 years, just about, um, on ministry teams. And I yeah. think that the first team came from there when Brian Langan was here. So it's been like many, many years. Yeah, they were like one of the first groups that came like in the early 90s, like yeah. 92, 93-ish. They were. But but they, you know, you, when you do have a group come from... We call it Upper Canada. <laughs> when they come from Ontario, like you can tell there is some cultural, there, even the yeah. words we use for stuff, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of fun. But that does impact, I think, how the church interacts with missions, you know? Yeah. And we went off the rails. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that far. We're, we'll, we'll steer it back on. But uh, I, I think that as we, as we talk about missions in the church, I think there's different approaches from different churches. Yeah. And, and the one thing I always try to highlight is that Arrowhead and the ministry here, we're a parachurch. So our ministry is meant to come alongside the church, not to like take over the authority of the church, not to do what the church is called to do. Um, and oftentimes I think parachurches have tried to take over and do what the church is called to do. Um, and that's definitely a risk when you get into parachurch ministry. But I think that in response to that reality, some churches abandoned the call of the Great Commission and missions to the parachurch, to those who are quote unquote, like uh, career missionaries. Right. And, and then they don't engage with any missions themselves. And so yeah. there's, there's, there's this tension that exists in there. Mm -hmm. And part of that is probably maritime culture. Yeah. I think to some degree, I think, our church is similar to the church I grew up in, in that you had a certain set number of missionaries. Mm -hmm. You know, in my home church, if I remember right, you would have a, a month where you would support a certain missionary. Then mm -hmm. the next month you support another missionary. And mm -hmm. a certain amount of the offering that was going to missions was going to that missionary. Mm -hmm. You might get a letter from that missionary that said, thank you, and here's an update. Or if they're on furlough, they might come and visit their, during that month. But there was no real connection. As a kid, it's like, oh, I know who that person is. They came when you know, they're on furlough and they're serving in this area and they're doing their thing, but I don't know anything about them. I don't know what their right. ministry's really like. Like, what's the day-to-day -day stuff? Like, there's this huge disconnect from what the missionary's doing in X country right? and what we're doing here as ministry. Yeah. Um, and we, we at Arrowhead have a benefit in that our ministry is in New Brunswick. Yeah. And so people can see it and touch it and taste it yeah. And participate in it in a different way than the missionary in, you know, Bolivia, South Africa or <laughs> Bolivia or, you know, wherever they are. Yeah. And so, so that's kind of a, a one up that we have in that way. Yeah. But how can the church, how, how can the church sort of overcome that? Or how can the missionaries overcome that? And because honestly, Rick, I feel like if a church supports missions and they support, say a missionary, whether it's just prayer support or it's financial support, that missionary is then functionally a ministry of their church. Yeah. And so there is some accountability and there is some connection that should exist because are the missionaries doing what you would do in your church? Right. Are they doing something different? Like those are important questions I think yeah. to ask. Yeah, I think there's a measure of maybe not oversight, but at least accountability as you said, so that there's constant communication 
Mm. Not every day, not every week, mm. but enough communication. And we have the capability with Zoom and you know Facebook and email and mm-hmm. all of this. That while it's difficult for some missionaries, if they're in a country like Pakistan, that that would be very dangerous for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in many cases, it's not that difficult at all. Right. And it's just a laziness on the part of the church. That Well, or, or I mean, not always just the church either, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, you yeah. know, it can, it can happen in missionary On both sides, sure. Yeah. You know, where they send a letter every three months and the missions committee reads it, but that's as far as it goes. And yeah. you know, nobody really knows what's really going on or... What they're doing. Uh, you know, I, I, one of the things I really appreciate is there's a couple of churches that support us and they send us their bulletin. In, in oh. an email every month, every week. Mm. So every week I can look at that church's bulletin and see who they're praying for and what they're doing and what, so I can then pray for that church. Right. It is a bit reciprocal. And yeah. I really enjoy that they do that mm. and that they have that interaction. Yeah, it keeps, it keeps that relationship. So it's not just this random person that's doing this random thing in this country. Mm-hmm. That might be really good work, but there's an actual... Um, like a mutual working together mm-hmm. where the missionary is able to pray for the church that's supporting them and the church is able to support the missionary that they're supporting. You might even call that a relationship. Oh, dare we uh, say. No. So so we, we, we talk about missions and discipleship and the relationship of that. And then so often our relationship with the church is very sort of official and corporate. Like it's a report or yeah. a vid- even a video right. can, it can be a little more relational, but it can be, mm. but, but those emails and interactions from church members and, and people, you know, I, I have never had a church call me up and say, what did you do this week? Right. What, how have you served the Lord in your, you know, tell me what you did on Monday. Or better yet, how have you been struggling and how can we pray for you in that struggle? Yeah. I, I have <laughs> had people ask me that. Um, I mean, not, not frequently, but on occasion there will be sure. a pastor who will write, say, how can we pray for you? Like what's, right. and we'll, you know, we'll have surveys and, and I think all of that's good, but I think what you hit on, like, I think the relationship can be more natural, yeah. you know. And it's different. If you have a missionary that's from that church that's going, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you were from Elgin and we were your main, I say main, but originating sending church, mm-hmm. that would create a different relationship than, you know, somebody that's outside that's seeking support. Right. No, and I think that's right. a natural relationship that's built because of things. But yeah. And, and, and really, you know, the missionary the missionary we're like I said, we have this benefit. We're here. I can visit churches. And so, mm-hmm. but the missionaries that are on the field, like we have a friend who's going overseas, you and I, and he's going to be gone, him and his family for three years. And so, but because we're, we have relationships with him, we're going to email him. We're, yeah. We might even FaceTime him. We're going to talk to him. But those kind of relationships can be developed with any missionary. Yeah. And, and, and the missionaries can develop those relationships with the church. Like I mm-hmm. think there's, like you say, we've got this accountability that we should be pursuing that. Yeah. In our first year in Elgin, um, one of the things that was talked about in the budget, the first budget meeting we had, was about a, a missionary couple that was from the relatively local area that was going to Rwanda. And they, um, when they asked my opinion about it, I said, well, I don't know them, but they're from the area. We should support them, at least on that basis. Mm-hmm. You know, of course... Theology and all those things are important, but mm-hmm. 
because they're relatively close, you know, we can quickly build that relationship so that we can have this communication mm-hmm. process going. Yeah, relationship and connection yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that theology is important. I I think that we can, I don't know, sometimes we can allow theology to divide mm-hmm. in times when it doesn't need to. And sometimes we don't let it divide when it should. Yeah, yeah. Like that is a conversation maybe for a, another podcast, Rick, you and yeah, I yeah. talk about the, the impact of theology and relationship and mission. I think that the function of the applied theology, like how yeah, yeah. are we investing our time in mission is a whole conversation as well. Mm. So, you know, how do I, what does it mean to be saved? I mean, we're doing staff devos and we're talking, I'm going to talk for 20 mornings, simply about one word. Yeah. Like what does it mean to believe and what, mm. you know, but, but those kind of conversations and that kind of information is important. I think for churches to be connected to, because if someone is doing mission in a parachurch in a way that perhaps is disobedient or, or un, un, not perhaps not full, then the church is partnered with that. They're, mm-hmm. they're, in, they're participating in the disobedience or maybe mm-hmm. the bad theology and that matters because ultimately, and you can tell me what you think about mm-hmm. this, but I believe that the Great Commission was given to the local church. Mm-hmm. That the oversight of that is is elder driven and elder overseen, and that mm-hmm. there's accountability there. So, and and that helps remove a lot of that muck of bad theology or bad practice, and yeah. and puts accountability there. But when we abandon missions, and we just say, okay, I'm just going to pay the parachurch to do the missions. Like, what what does that mean for the local church? Yeah. Like, how have we come to that? Mm-hmm situation. I don't know. Yeah. There's so much to that. I mean, the idea of the church, you know, the individual body of believers, me, you, my congregants, Mm -hmm. yours, are all doing the Great Commission. We're in our communities, we're in our workplaces, we're sharing the gospel, we're living our lives, Mm -hmm. all of those things. And that's not taught in churches today. Mm -hmm. So from from that start, it's, you know, we want as many people to come in the church, then we'll preach the gospel to them. Right. That's on me because I'm the pastor. Yeah. I therefore preach the gospel and they've done their, their, you know, due diligence in bringing them to me to mm-hmm. preach the gospel because they can't presumably. So sounds, and so there's that yeah, and that all bleeds into the rest of it. Yeah. It sounds like, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're suggesting that ecclesiology and, and our expression of ecclesiology influences the ministries of the church. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know if I've said that on a episode of, of Mission of the Nations before or not, but I really agree. I, I think yeah. if we don't have a healthy ecclesiology, a healthy doctrine of church, like what we believe that thing is, then it's going to affect all that other yeah. stuff. I think that's right. If I have a church full of people who are only aimed at bringing new people that aren't believers into the church, mm-hmm. and they're coming in their so-called worshiping God, though they don't even know who he is. Mm-hmm. And then we're having a presentation where Grant and Liz Fawcett are coming, they're going to share, and then they're, we're going to do the grocery grabber thing for a month or, you know, whatever it would be. Mm-hmm. They don't have a clue what no. that mission even is, let alone how to build a relationship and Yeah, but, and you think, but you th- if, you th- if you take a step back and you think about, okay, 
So they're bringing an unbeliever to the church so that the church can sort of minister to them and see them saved. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I don't have a problem with an unbeliever going to church. Right. But I've always said, if, if there's unbelievers in church, they should feel like absurdly welcome, mm -hmm. but overwhelmingly uncomfortable. Absolutely. Because what's happening there shouldn't make sense <laughs> to them at all. Yeah, yeah. It should, it should be nonsense. Yeah. So if the people are like, well, I'm not equipped to, or, or I don't want to engage in the, the, the hard work of teaching this person about the nature and character of God so that they might love him and pursue him and be saved. Right. And they think that that's the role of the church. Then I think that, that, that then shows why the church would just pay missionaries too. Right. Same, same, Absolutely. The same kind of perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, if the goal of the church is to bring as many people into the church and share the love of God, then they're not sharing the rest of it. The right. whole, the whole kit and caboodle of who God is. And then the missionary's out there and he's doing his thing. There's just no relationship there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I appreciate, and I'll pose this as a question perhaps. Um, we did the grocery grabber yeah. for you guys. It was great. We loved doing that. The church was overwhelmingly supportive. So if any of you are listening, good job. <laughs> um, so the benefit of that is that we're close. Mm -hmm. you know. So let's say that you have somebody in Ontario, such as Gory. Yeah. Where you guys have a close relationship with that church. Yeah. Um, what are the practical ways as a missionary, without having to travel once a month, mm -hmm. to say, hey, we're here, how can we support the church, and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. What ways are there that a missionary can support the church by doing their work, but also helping the local church's work? Mm -hmm. oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like... One of the things that I appreciate the most about churches that we're connected with is when the leadership is invested in um, me mm -hmm. and my family and my staff and the ministry. Right. So I'm going to give an example. We had a situation, and, it, and it's almost a persistent situation, but we had a situation where there were some people who were telling some lies about the ministry at Arrowhead. They had been at a meeting where there were a number of pastors and they said, oh, they don't share the gospel at Arrowhead. They don't do the gospel. The gospel's not present. Well, there was a man who was a part of that meeting who he thought that's really weird where our church supports Arrowhead. I thought that they shared the gospel. So what did he do? The first thing he did, he, he went back to his church and he called me and he said, look, we just want to come and visit you and have a talk about the gospel and what you're doing there. And so he brought an elder. They drove many hours. It, it took them a whole day by the time they came and went home. And he met with me. We had coffee and we prayed together and we wept together. And um, we talked about how we share the gospel and why, you know, but the fact that he was invested enough in the ministry to drive here, mm -hmm. to meet with me and pray with me and weep with me. And th that's the kind of connection that is rich and full and grows you know, and we have people who come from that church and they serve here, mm -hmm. you know, and when we, the opportunity arrives, we like to be in that church. Um, with Gory, I think one of the things I really appreciate about, about the team at Gory is that um, many of the staff will connect with us on social media. There'll be regular interaction, you know, mm -hmm. on a number of levels, 
you know, some of our staff that are now full-time missionaries here are yeah. from there, right. you know? And so that relationship has flourished over the years mm-hmm. because there's sort of this mutual back yeah. and forth. They didn't come one year and say, hey, that was great. And then there was no communication. Mm-hmm. But every year following for how many years? 18? Is that what you said? That's been many, many, many years. I don't even know how many. Yeah. So it's, for, for 8,000 8, years, they've been... <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, it's been this constant communication and relationship you've gone there on yeah. numerous occasions yes yeah. you know to speak and to share to do staff training yeah you know you in a sense have bent over backwards for them so they could come so they feel that hey he's invested in us because he's willing to drive 16 or 18 hours to visit us yeah to see our people to eat our food yeah and then they're like oh yeah we'll come well and, and i like to think too that you know they're coming this weekend they're going to get here on Saturday. Can I and stay till Monday? You can, yeah. <laughs> and they'll be here for team camp. But I don't, I, I've tried to reinforce this, but I don't, th- I think that they look at it this way. They don't look at coming to Arrowhead as though they're coming to help us do ministry. They come from Ontario to do ministry alongside us. Yeah. We're a parachurch. Parachurch literally means alongside the church. So they yeah. come to do ministry and we are alongside them. So we do everything we can to equip it and enable it. God has given resources to Arrowhead so that we can facilitate a week of Bible camp in the summer, mm-hmm. these podcasts. You know, all of that is a part of this coming alongside the church. At least yeah. that's our heart's desire. And so when when churches have the same attitude, they don't come to help us. Mm-hmm. They come to serve the Lord. And we serve him together, and the relationship flourishes, I think. And that helps on both sides. It encourages the church when they can see that there's a ministry going on. In this case with Arrowhead, it's not just four weeks of camp. You know, a lot of places would assume that, oh, well, what do they do the rest of the year? Well, I've been asked that, sure. Um, (laughs) And you and I know there's a lot more to camp than four weeks. Yeah. Um, And so the church is able to say, hey, like, we're invested and we're willing to do that. And at the same time, you know, you're able to come in and you're able to be encouraged because now that there's this relationship built, there's this uh, constant stream of support and help that's coming to serve at camp uh, in whatever way, with Mm. staffing especially, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, which is encouraging because that helps, you know, some of that stress because getting staff can be difficult. I mean, it can, (laughs) you know, it's... um, we're, we're very particular about the way we share the gospel here and, and the way we look at um, the results of our ministry. You know, we, we look at the faithfulness of the teaching and, and the mm. consistency of the teaching and the, the holding high of scripture, and we don't necessarily count the number of converts. Right. And so that's uncomfortable for people who are used to summer camp and we count the yeah. number of converts and we put, well, there were this many. Right. Now, like I said to the staff this morning in staff devotions, you know, we celebrate and we desire the salvation of every child that comes to, to Arrowhead. And if they are saved, we celebrate it. But if they aren't saved, have we taught well? When they didn't understand, we started over. We right. taught it again. Yeah. And we just pointed to the nature and character of God. And that's a success too, because yeah. I don't convict and save. That's right. The Holy Spirit convicts and save. I simply disciple and teach. And so mm. th- the reality that we're pursuing planting seeds and teaching truth and and hopefully, you know, kids clubs and ongoing discipleship throughout the year and plugging into 
biblical local churches, you know, that to me is success. Yeah. That that's how we, yeah. and so I've brought that into my own ministry. That was a lesson I've learned from Arrowhead, from my own ministry, mm-hmm. you know, to just be faithful, not to worry about the numbers, not to worry about what success might or might not look like, just be faithful and let God do the work. Because a lot of the time we can be really, really faithful and it looks like we're failing horribly. Mm-hmm. And the reality is we're not. God's just, he, maybe he's pruning, maybe he's, you know, teaching very, very slowly and we just don't see that. Yeah. And the fruit of that can be 30 years later, we don't know. Yeah. You know, or it could be in three days. I, I think one of the worst things that has happened for the local church were the books that were written around the turn of the century that were lent towards church growth model. Mm-hmm. You know, ministry that was built on just growing bigger, right. like like physically bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that so easily our flesh leaned into, oh, that's a metric I can get behind. Mm-hmm. We had 10 people, now we have 1,000, we're successful. Right. You know, and, and I, feel, I feel like we stepped away from pursuing the, the real growth that's invisible. You know, I have a congregation of 10. It's now a congregation of 15 because we've been growing spiritually together and we've been sharing with our neighbors and five people got saved. Right. To me, you know, there's a very, a vast difference in those two things. And yeah. the same thing happens in missions. Mm-hmm. The same thing, the exact same thing can happen. And, you know, when, when missionaries come to churches, if, if we feel like there's this expectation that we're going to have some report that's worthy of the funds. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There absolutely. can be this unspoken tension and I, and I feel like that, that's not super healthy. Absolutely. In the relationship between the church and there's always a, di- a desire, I think because we're human beings who need to see and we need to, to recognize where the success is. You know, we always want something that's um, tactile and mm-hmm. um, that, you, that you can just, you can see it's it's there. It's whether it's numbers, whether it's uh, in how well the buildings are kept, and you know how much money's been put put aside for this, that, or the other thing, and how that's been working. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is God doesn't work with those material things. He uses those, and those are great things, but He works on the heart, mm-hmm. and we can't see that, right? Necessarily, we're right. blessed if we do. Yeah, if we can see the fruit. <laughs> I mean, that's great. You know, you know when we're a kid, thankful, but yeah, when a, ch- a when a child gets saved, I like what Mark Dever says. You know, you know, praise the Lord. Wait and see. Right, you know? like the yeah. fruit by their fruit you will know them. Like yeah. a profession, it says in in Matthew, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, mm-hmm. I, I did miracles in your name, and we cast a team, and I will say, Get behind me! I never knew you, you right. workers of iniquity. So, professions are great. Mm-hmm. If they're real and we have to watch people grow and disciple them to see if they're real because yeah. the fruit is, but we're made new, right? Yeah. We're changed. Yeah. We're De- made from taken from death to life yeah. and there's fruit in that. Yeah. And then we celebrate and we disciple, but we want this moment. We want this, like, we want this thing where we can put, well, these kids all raise their hands. So they all get saved and, right. you know, yeah. and it's, it's so, I, I just, yeah, I mentioned that sort of in a in a message recently in Mark 3 I believe and you know the disciples are called and there's Judas and they're all called to cast out demons and to heal and it doesn't say that Judas didn't do those things mm-hmm. and yet he's the betrayer mm-hmm. and so here he is serving the Lord for three and a half years mm-hmm. and he's doing all of the right things mm-hmm. and he's saying all the right things 
and yet <laughs> he's the betrayer. Like, right. You know? Yeah. So, so I guess my challenge to missionaries and my challenge to church people, because this podcast is for church people, which missionaries are church people too. But my challenge for church people is to, to think critically about how you consider success in missions and, right. and in your church. Do you ex- have expectations on your missionaries when they arrive that are biblical? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we, our friend that's going overseas, he's going to spend so many years doing language learning, and then he's going to spend a number of years building relationships, mm-hmm. and he's not going to come home on his first furlough. I mean, he might. God works in mysterious ways, <laughs> right. but he, he may not come home and say, yeah. you know, our church is a hundred people right. and we've seen a hundred salvations right. and you know, that might not be the case. And that's, yeah. that doesn't mean that that's failure. Right. He's, he's building the foundation. Right. You have to build a foundation of stone, yeah. Yeah. you know? And, and so, but, but if he comes to a church and they're like, well, how many, how many converts did you make? Well, first of all, <laughs> he's not going to make any, any converts, Right. right? The Holy Spirit converts people. Now he might disciple people. He might teach them, evangelize them, mm-hmm. reveal to them the nature and character of God and his glory and, and, and help them pursue him. And if people are saved, they're still God's converts, right? Right. God changes hearts. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think. And boy, am I glad that it's him that does it. <laughs> I mean, right? Like if It takes I, all the responsibility off of me. Yeah. If I changed my own heart, it would change back because yeah. I'm not good at doing things. Yeah. I, I'm sinful. I mess things up. If right. I was responsible for taking my heart of stone and making it a heart of flesh, I would botch it. Yeah, we always fail at it. We always try and we always fail. Right. And and I've said at the pulpit and I've said in my home, you know, about that that idea of being faithful. Because if I'm just being faithful, then I don't have to defend myself because I'm just being faithful. I'm doing everything I can with God's help to to do what I can to minister and serve. And the results are in his hands. Mm-hmm. And so all of that pressure's gone. Yeah. The pressure's gone and the labor is is big, right? So one of the criticisms that come along is, well, if you don't have to do anything, oh, come on. You know, the, <laughs> the world needs Christ and we are commanded to bring Christ to the world. Right. And this is the impetus of mission and the local church. Right. And so if we order our churches the way... God has commanded us to order our churches in the right. New Testament, and we pursue those things obediently, then we will burn our candles out right. in pursuing people with Christ right. because the work is endless. So yeah. so to suggest that the Holy Spirit convicts and saves is, is not us saying we don't have to do anything. Right. We are meant to teach everybody, but that, yeah. it's built in relationship, like yeah. you said at the very beginning. Yeah. It's interesting. I was looking through the book of Acts... Uh, for some messages and some studying. And you see Paul and uh, Barnabas. And they don't just leave and they go do their thing and, you know, right back to the churches once in a while. But they're heavily committed to um, bringing people out of the synagogues Mm -hmm. and uh, preaching the gospel to them. And then when God saves them, he sends them to you know, the churches, these house churches or whatever that looked like. But there was always a connection. Mm-hmm. Paul goes to Philippi. He does his thing. He leaves Philippi after he gets in jail. And then he writes a letter, you know, be joyful. Mm-hmm. He does the same with Ephesians and Colossians. And 
virtually every book he wrote. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's always a connection, and it's always not this general thing of, well, this is what we've been doing the last few weeks, and this is how life is, and my kids are now this old, and yeah. you know, ministry was hard. Yeah. And we were in jail. We were beaten a bunch of times. And, yeah. you know, it looked like we should have just left and God can just burn the city. Mm-hmm. But God was faithful mm-hmm. and God did his work. Mm-hmm. And we're so glad that you're supporting us. Yeah. So we're going to go to Athens and we hope you pray for us there. Yeah. And hey, if you send Onesimus, you know, just let him know that my cloak's there, or, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. you know, there's this constant real communication it's not just a prayer letter with a random signature to the church it's a legitimate letter letter i think that that's interesting rick um one i I mean one of my biggest pet peeves you know and i'm not the world's best prayer letter writer sure you know we we do the best we can to try to communicate and liz writes a lot of handwritten notes but Mm -hmm. but one of my biggest pet peeves is when i see a missionary update in a bulletin or pinned in a church that's really ambiguous it doesn't really say a whole lot about, it says a lot of words, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really say what they, like there's, they could be interpreted about 50 different ways. Yeah. And I find that that. It was like that paper I had to write for Habakkuk class. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wrote a lot of papers. I sh- I'm a hypocrite. I, I wrote a lot of papers like that too. I'm sorry, Mr. Hogue. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Doubly it. so. Yeah. I mean, he had to read all that. Yeah. But no, it's it's true. Like the the they can be nothing, uh, no unsubstantive, right? Yeah. And thankfully, we have social media now. You know, I post yeah. pictures. I'll post pictures almost every day this summer, so people who are can be engaged with you know yeah. what's going on here. Yeah. I think I think it behooves us as missionaries who are accountable to, you know, the local church, to communicate clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, how we are stewarding our time. Right. How are we loving the Lord our God with all our strength mm-hmm. and, and, the, and our time and our energy? And right. how, are we, how are we doing that in our right. ministry? A couple months ago when we met for dinner, that meeting was as much of an encouragement for me right. as I hope as it was for you Yeah. Um, to have that connection. That even though the 80 people in my church don't have a clue what we talked about, really, yeah. maybe one or two that I said, we were hanging out, but yeah. it was an encouragement for me, and I was able to go back yeah. refreshed and encouraged. Yeah, likewise. Um, yeah, and that can happen with someone going to a faraway land. It can, you know, it can even happen with someone who's in a faraway land. Yeah, because we have like Zoom and stuff. Yeah, and I've even there have been times when I've had the opportunity to be on like a FaceTime call with someone and feel the same way. Yeah. You know, we didn't get to sit and eat <laughs> bologna and <laughs> corned beef hash. And I, I've never nonsense. sat in a restaurant with somebody ordering bologna. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the Maritimes yeah. and it was the most Maritime diner I've ever been in. So I felt compelled. Yeah. But that was a great time. You know, that that's important stuff to do. Yeah. And I love it when I can get together. I mean, you and I are friends, so we have a little more of a connection than... Yeah most of the pastors maybe that I would get together with. But when someone calls me up, I, there's a couple pastors who be like, let's have lunch. Yeah. I love, I, I feel refreshed from that too. And yeah. I think, I think it is mutual yeah. and I think it's important, but it doesn't always have to be pastors. It can just, That's right. it can be anybody. You yeah. Know? And should be. Yeah. But like my, my daughter does homeschool 
and one of her assignments was to write a letter to a missionary. So she did. And that, did she write it to you? No, she, <laughs> she didn't. I, I'm glad that she picked someone away and yeah. wrote to them. And I think that that oh, was... that's so special. Yeah. But it, it's encouraging to them. Yeah. It, it connects them with her. Like yeah. kids can do that. Yeah. Adults can do that. Like those are, yeah. those are ways I think that can help. And, you know, I talked with Perry Edwards a couple of episodes ago about short-term missions, you know, and, and both of us kind of landed on the reality that, yeah, churches can do short-term missions, but the best expression of that is when they go to the field and they serve a local church where there's a missionary or a pastor working that they can mm-hmm. serve yeah. because it it's fuller, it's richer, and there's accountability and they can't yeah. go, they're, they're much less likely to go and create a mess than if they just sure. kind of, we're just going to go to you know, Quito, Ecuador, and yeah. we're just going to stand in the street and look for someone to help. Like yeah. it's, it's rich if it's mm-hmm. connected with this, um, like a mission that your church is already connected with. Yeah. Uh, um, you yeah. know, yeah. Going back to your daughter, I think it's incredibly important and I would encourage anybody to write, not type yeah, or yeah. send, but to write a letter. Handwritten. Uh, we got a card not long ago. We had gone to a wedding and talking to some dear folks of ours and about a week later, we got a letter from them, uh, like in a card. And it was awesome, this handwritten letter. I mean, it just, that in itself, they spend X amount of time, let's say 15, 20 minutes, writing that card. I know Liz takes time. She writes those cards. It means so much more than just this typewritten letter with a random signature on it. Mm-hmm. You know, as nice as those are, that's not to no, degrade no. that necessarily. Right. But to have that time that's spent... Yeah. Even if it's 20 minutes, yeah. you know, that means a lot It um, does. Yeah. to the church and I think vice versa to the missionary that would receive one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird dynamic. So I guess that's where I'm landing at the end of this conversation. Mm-hmm. The relationship between the parachurch and minist- missions and the local church has become weird. Yeah. You know, and, and so we've got this situation where we've got supported missionaries and we're trying to figure out how do we participate in the mission? How do we have relationship with the missionaries? How do we have accountability? And I think really it just requires the, each congregation to look at their missions and, and ask those questions. Yeah. The two things are not mutually exclusive. Right. They are one and the same mm. and they work together for the further, furtherance of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So you have the church and the missionary working together. Yeah. Not one an island unto themselves with this like little bit of connection. Yeah. But they're working together yeah. for the same goal. Am I fulfilling? Is my church fulfilling the Great Commission? And 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 how is it doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, are we participants? Right. Are we or are we consumers? Right. Or observers? Yeah. Like I think self examination is the only way to Yeah. And is the is the missionary an extension of the church, or is the missionary like some outside bubble that mm-hmm. communicates with the church randomly? Right. And, and every missionary needs to be asking themselves those questions. Yeah. Am I autonomous? Do I love my mysterious, quiet autonomy, right. or do I pursue accountability? And am I pursuing the church? And yeah, those are. I think those are part of the whole story. Yeah. And our mutual friend, he'd gone to California. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated what he had to say as far as his time there and what they desired of him as a missionary and the support they were going to give. Mm-hmm. Like that was super encouraging to me. It's like right. wow, like they're they're not just interested; they're invested. Right. They wanted in that a missionary. doctrinal statement. They wanted to know 
about his relationships and yeah. they wanted to invest, but he was going to go as, as a ambassador of their church yeah. in, a, in a way. And so yeah. there has to be some kind of conversation about how that yeah. is going to work. And it's not just, uh, we need three missionaries. We'll pick him, him, ooh, not him, but we'll pick him. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. We'll give him $500 of every two months. Right. We we're good. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it can get easy for missionaries to look at missions strictly that way too. Oh, because yeah. it can be stressful. Yeah. You know, we, you don't know what you're going to get at the end of the month. And, right. you know, sometimes it can be easy to be just like, well, I kept them happy for, you know, yeah. and that's not the right attitude either, right. but yeah. it, it, you can slip into that yeah. pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. It, it requires a lot of work mm-hmm. and energy and. Yeah. On both sides. Tiring. Yeah. Like we had a good combo and I'm that's sure great. we offended a whole bunch of people, but that's kind of. You know, my lifestyle. It's the gospel that offends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining me for this. And maybe before this the end of the great. week, we'll get to record another one. And Yeah, uh, that'd be great. Yeah. All right, man. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio, a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. Visit our website at arrowheadnbc.com for more information. Look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts.